I learned, um, I learned I don't really want to fight. But there are some things I really fight for. There's some things I will. How about you? I have a question for you. You don't answer it out loud, but what, what, would, what would it take for you to get into a knockdown, drag out, clawing, eyes out, biting, you know, kicking, just all out fight? What, what would it take for you to get in a fight like that? Now you think about that. You know, if somebody invaded my home, I would size them up. If I had my gun, it'd be all done. If he had a gun, it'd be all done. But, you know, if, if there's a, a fight, kind of, and then it would depend, you know. If he's got a bat in his hand and I'm standing there, it depends what he wants. If he wants my stuff, if, we, if he wants my wife, we're getting into it. If he wants my stuff, you know, take my TV, you know, I go, here, here, you want a toaster? You know, you can, get, you can take, you get those. But there are some things well worth fighting for. Let me tell you where I, I started contemplating that thought. Um, over the last couple of weeks, there's been some really horrendous things happen across our country. And uh, several weeks ago, there was a uh, Virginia governor. They, um, they passed a law in Virginia for abortion to go all the way through, not just... Delivery. I mean, delivery is bad enough, right? I mean, a baby can be sucking its thumb and a doctor can come in and pull its arm off, crush its head and pull it out and kill it. That's legal. And uh, some say it's legal in, all, 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 in every state in the union. Others have made laws against it, but whether the Supreme Court will hold it up, that's a whole different thing. But four states have decided to make sure, kind of like no matter what the Supreme Court does, they made their own law that you can, you can uh, kill a baby up through birth. It, while the child is in the birth canal being delivered, you can kill it. And the governor then went on to say, because someone asked, well, what if you're trying to abort the baby, the baby's delivered, and the baby lives through the abortion? And he said, well, at that point, we would make the baby comfortable as the doctor and the mother would then decide what to do. In other words, whether we're going to kill the baby, a, a birth baby. And folks, there were people responding, says, I don't think that's right. There are others says, that's wrong, that's illegal, that shouldn't be. No, that's evil. That's evil. There's nothing in the world that has been done that's more evil 
than killing a baby. What's more evil than that? But that's what our, where our country is. And, and I was thinking, as I was working on this message, I was thinking, what will it take for the church, what, 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 what does it take for the church to get to that place where it rises up and says, no more? What would it take for the church to get to the place where it starts getting on the streets and it starts protesting? What more would it take for us to fight? I'm not sure. But I do know that sin is a lot like um, it's a lot like that frog in the kettle. Things that, you know, the, the, the water's heated up slowly and the frog will stay in it until it's boiled. Some argue that's not actually true, that it works that way, but it's a great illustration either way. But the point is that as it's a slow heat, the frog doesn't know it's boiling. And sin is like that. Most of you here, even the young ones, can remember 10 years ago, in your, just 10 years ago, this would not have been accepted. But now it's kind of like just one step further. A lot of things 10 years ago were culturally we said no. Okay. I just ticked. And that's why I shared that. But that's where the question Excuse me. I'm, I can see I'm making a lot of noise here. Um, but here's, here's where I want us to go today because what I want to talk about is another kind of fighting. Kind that the Bible talks a lot about. And that is Spiritual fighting. You know, what would we fight for? What do we fight for? We were, we've been talking about how we're positioned in high places, that we have a power. You have a power if Christ is in you. And that power that is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is a supernatural power. You're positioned right at the right hand of God, the scripture says. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. That's your position. I'm not talking about literally being there. That's your position. So that you can at any morning go, you know, any time you go, hey, Father, you don't have to go far. You're seated right next to him. You know, his presence is in you. That's the position you have. And then the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that we, we are seated together in heavenly places. But then it says because we're seated in heavenly places, because of that place we have in Christ, and I'm not going to go through all the teaching on this, but in Ephesians 1, 18 through 21, it tells us that we have the power of God and to, to live and, and live with dominion over the... Inter, the uh, 
the entities of hell, the, the powers of hell, we have that power. And then in Ephesians 6, it says, brethren, it says, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, the hierarchy of the demonic world. Now, the Western world is starting to catch up with the Eastern part of the world religiously as far as the understanding or to begin to recognize, again, the reality of the spiritual dimension. The, the reason for that is we're seeing evil is exposing itself. See, in the West, for, 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 many, for, for, for many centuries, in fact, the demonic has tried to work underground. You, you go to many places in the Eastern world and you'll see demonized people. You'll see radical uh, exposure of satanic, uh, you know, uh, you know as they're, they're really trying to use what they have to bring fear into the communities and those kinds of things. And so if you ever go, oftentimes, to, to some places where you'll see um, just the demonic in, in full array, we tend not to see that, but now in the West, it's hard not to. It's starting to... The, the, there are more and more people... In fact, that cannot, you know, deny anymore that the, the realm of darkness is a reality and that we face it, which is absolutely bi biblical. That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this, of this world. And then many of you, and if you, those of you who grew up in Sunday school class, um, would know that he talks about putting on the armor of God. And he says, put, you know, uh, gird yourself with the waist of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shot, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, put on um, the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And we're not going to go through that. But then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So what he says is, you put on the armor, and then you go to war. Then you go to battle. And the battle is in prayer. Okay? You go to battle in prayer, and then Paul adds this. He says, then pray for me. That, you know, he's in prison. He's, he's being, you know, there's a, there's a battle going on that the word of God will go out clearly. Pray for me, Get, you know, that I will have strength to communicate what God wants me to communicate. Join me in the battle. That's what he says. Now, I set the stage with that to set the stage for the story we're going to talk about. The story we're, we're going to talk about starts, um, actually, it's in three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to take a look at Matthew's, uh, you know, rendition of it. And it's found in, the, in Mark, I'm sorry, we're going to take a look at Mark's rendition of it. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. That's where we are. 
But before we look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1, let me tell you the pre-story. And I've, I've missed this. I've read this many, many times, and I, I missed this connection, and it's really important. I think it's, it's a key to really understanding this story. The, the pre-story is Jesus has been doing all these wonderful things and miracles and everything on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he tells his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And so they get in a boat, and he goes back. He's had a long day, and he lays down and goes to sleep. Now, these fishermen are going across the, the Sea of Galilee, and a storm rises up, and they start to get afraid because this is a big storm in a little ship. A little, not a ship, a little you know, fishing boat. And they start to panic. Now, what do you do? You're in a storm. Don't you want to just try to get to shore as soon as you can? Just kind of you know, find a way to get to shore as fast as you can. Get off the boat. And that's what they really want to do. But they're, it's pretty rough and it's getting dangerous. And Jesus said to go to the other side. So they wake Jesus up and say to him, don't you care? We're dying. And he calms the sea and he tells them, what's wrong? You know, you, you don't have enough faith. Okay, that's the point. But here it is. Why was it so important for him to get to the other side? I mean, doesn't Jesus know a storm might be coming? And yet he doesn't care. He's getting through the storm anyhow. Couldn't he just wait a day or two? There, see, there's something happening. There's something happening here to try to stop Jesus from getting to the other side. Now let's pick up the story. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the gathering. Now, the country of the gatherings or that area was a Gentile area. I'm assuming the person he's coming to might be actually a Jewish man. And so he goes through the storm to get to this other side to meet someone. And, uh, and when they had come out to, to, of the boat, immediately there met him... Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So this man is demonized. And, uh, and so this, the, the Bible uses this term. Sometimes, you know, demons are fallen angels. And they are used in the kingdom of darkness. Sometimes to harass and uh, to, to, to uh, cause disruption and to... Well, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So sometimes they're referred to as unclean, unclean spirits, because they really do live in, in, the, in the place of, of, uh, of, of not only darkness, but uncleanness, both um, morally and, and, uh, and physically. And so he... Now, we don't know how... This individual got an unclean spirit. In fact, we find out there's more than one. It says, so we don't know what happened. You know, sometimes, sometimes people open up themselves to unclean spirits uh, in a variety of different ways. But he did somehow 
was opened up to unclean spirit. Maybe he was worshiping demons unaware when he was worshiping the false gods of Rome. Maybe that was happening. Maybe, maybe it was his family were worshipers of demons unknowingly. You know, when you're worshiping false gods, the Bible says you're worshiping demons unaware. So don't, don't just kind of throw all the gods in the same category. There is one God, the God of the universe. Maybe he was doing that. Maybe he was penetrated when, when he was inebriated, when he was drunk. Do you know why the Bible says do not be drunk? Because you open yourself up. doesn't mean that every person that gets drunk has demons in them. But you become more susceptible to demonic attachment when you're drunk. Maybe, in fact, that, that he, uh, was, it happened when um, he was on drugs. Who knows? Did he, I don't know if he was on, maybe that happened. You know, it's interesting. The, the word in the Bible, the word in the Bible for drugs is pharmacia. That's where we get the word. You know, the, the word in the Bible for sorcery is the same word for drugs. There's a, there's a connection. And maybe he had sex with a demonized person. You know, the Bible says when, 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 when you know, Jesus uses specifically, he says when a man has a sexual relationship with a, with a prostitute, in that case, we're talking about that, but it, he says you become one. When you have sexual relationship, the two will become one. There's a union. And demons jump. Demons jump. They hide. So, you know, maybe he was playing with that little Ouija board that his parents bought him, thinking it was just a game. There's all kinds of ways that people open themselves up to the demonic. Now, these demons have been there for a long time. They didn't just show up when this guy came around. These demons have been there since the fall, right? Since the fall of the angelic beings when they were cast down. A third of the angels were cast down. These demons have been in, in the territory. Everybody say territory. I'll tell you why it's important in a minute. They, they've been in the territory for a long time. And, and this man, this man, the demons have a, you know, found a place where they could abide and do some of their damage, maybe a headquarters from this man. But there's a territory. And somebody has to fight for the territory. See, Jesus went through the storm. What would he have in mind? There's a man over there I need to deliver. There's a man that needs to be free. And so he crosses the lake, you know, being led by the Spirit to find that guy and to deal with those demons. But he's not just going for that guy. Because Jesus has something bigger in mind than one person. It isn't that he doesn't care about the one person. He'll go for the one person, but he always has a, something bigger in mind. 
when he went to the woman at the well and he sat with her and talked with her about living water. He had something bigger in mind. The whole community came out and Jesus says, you know, the, it's widened the harvest, he tells the disciples. They're ready. It's, a, it's beyond just her. There's more. Jesus is dealing with a territory. I'll give you insight into that in a second. We're going to talk. But the fact is, Each of us have a territory. You have a territory. And when Jesus was saving that man, when Jesus was going to deliver this man, it was because he had a territory that he wanted to deal with. But this man wouldn't even know that he had a territory because right now he's under complete you know, dominance by the demonic. But the fact is, if you don't, if you don't battle for your territory, the devil will occupy your territory. Now, somebody has to fight for the territory. Now, it says of this man, verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him not even with chains, because he had been often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, crying out, and cutting himself with stones. The torment, the pain, that this man was going through because he was being dominated by darkness. The torment, the loneliness, the grief. It says, when he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran. See, he's living among the dead and he runs to life. And he sees Jesus from afar off and he does what you would think a demonized person, it would be the opposite of what a demonized person would do. But somehow, even though he's demonized, he still has a free will. There's something in him that is yearning, that is crying out in all of this. And then he does something that is really, you would think, contrary to what's going on in his life. It says, and he worshiped him. So he falls down and he worships him. He does the right thing. He does the right thing, but something's wrong. See, his worship is conflicted. He's, he's, got, he's got demons in him and he's worshiping and he, ha he has a desire but he's controlled, he's surrendered to, his, his will is surrendered to darkness. All of this is going on. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? Now, don't skip over that real quick. Notice that the demons, is it him? How did he know? This is Jesus, the son of the most high. How would he know? In fact, he is saying something that the disciples at this point in their 
understanding of who Jesus is don't understand. He understands something about Jesus. It wasn't until later that Jesus would say to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They're not recognizing that this at this point. They're following Jesus because he's doing miracles. But they're not really calling him the son of God yet. Later on they would. But this man knows. But it isn't him who knows. It's the demons in him who know. Who have been dealt with, have been confronted with, who acknowledge and know that this is in fact the son of God. And as they're doing that, by the way, as they're doing that, they're doing it in fear and trembling. Kind of this weird idea that people have that, you know, God and the devil are kind of uh, equal sides, you know. You have the good and the evil, the yin and the yang. You have, you know, you have God and Satan and they're equally fighting against them. That's a bunch of baloney that has nothing. The, the clear reality is that when the devil thinks about God, his knees shake. You understand? The, the demons, the demons, the Bible says, they believe in God, the demons believe, and they tremble. Their knees knock. That's God. That's God. And so as this man runs to Jesus, they cry out, what have we to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. They're hoping. They're trying to negotiate with Jesus. That you don't torment. And he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he, and he answered saying, my name is Legion, for I am many. In other words, it's not one, it's many. The word legion is a military term, and a legion was 6,000 in a Roman garrison, a Roman army. A, a Roman legion was 6,000. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly, he has exactly 6,000 demons, but he sure has a lot. But what it does mean also is that these de- the, the, the kingdom of darkness, it, it informs us that the kingdom of darkness is organized. You see, the kingdom of darkness isn't just kind of this haphazardly array of things. There's an organization to it. There, there's structure. There's planning. All of that is going into the kingdom of darkness. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. There's a hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness. You see? And they strategize and they work and they're recognized. And they recognize things. They recognize what's going on in the world. They work behind the scenes. They work with people that will submit themselves to them. And that's why the scripture talks about how we should pray when we are come. We should do spiritual battle. There's spiritual warfare that goes on. But I am also convinced that demons can recognize things that we recognize. I mean, I can recognize oftentimes, not, you know, not perfectly, but oftentimes I can recognize potential. Can't you? 
Don't you at times, you'll look, you'll know somebody and go, boy, that person has potential. You don't even have to be in conversation sometimes very long. And you can identify certain types of potential. You see? Things that they can do and things that they're, they, their abilities and so forth. And if we can do that, don't you think the kingdom of darkness can? Do you think possibly that the kingdom of darkness knew that this demonized man who nobody would want to have anything to do with this guy, that maybe they knew this guy has incredible potential. Him? Incredible potential. So, the demons try to broker a deal. Verse 10, it says, Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. He, what are they asking? Don't send us out of the territory. Don't, don't let us stay in the territory. Everybody say territory. Territory. Don't, don't let us get out of the territory. Because see, if, if they, he casts us out... Of this guy, maybe we can go to his brother or his sister or maybe we can find a neighbor or his workmate. Maybe we can find another location. But Jesus wasn't casting this guy out, the demons out of this guy. Jesus wasn't setting this man free just for himself. This man has a territory. And so do you. You have a territory. You have a territory that God's given you. And it's your, it's that circle, it's, it starts. But there's so many of us that have territory and we don't recognize our territory. We don't know we have territory. We don't even think of it that way. We don't think of it as ours. We don't think of it as the land that God has given us. We only think of it, you know, of ourselves. And so what we're willing to fight for sometimes might be me and my stuff that I, you know, that is close to me. I'll go to war for me. I'll battle against the enemy for me. But if the war gets too, if, it, if it's too, you know, if, if, if my neighbor's getting attacked, well, you know, I hope the police will take care of it. But I'm not going to get involved. If, if my workmate is getting attacked, really not mine, I mean, Lord, I hope you bless them. And what we don't recognize is that we have a territory. And what the demons want to do, if they cannot live in the man that Jesus has delivered, they want to make sure they're close by because they're, they've been given a territory. Your territory, by the kingdom of darkness. But it's not their territory. It's your territory. But if you don't fight for your territory... The devil will occupy your territory. So they're trying to broker a deal. 
devil wants to stay in your territory, your family, your neighborhood, your community, your workplace. He wants to stay there. Now, a large herd of swine were feeding near the mountains, and so all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. Maybe at least we'll still be in the territory. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. The pigs couldn't handle the torment of being invaded by the demons. Can you imagine what this guy was going through? This man had the torment of all those demons, and he was still alive. I mean, how many times did the thoughts of suicide come to his mind? How many times was he willing, did he want out? But somehow he was strong enough. And Jesus crossed an ocean or a large lake to get to that guy through a storm. Now it says, and those who fed the swine fled. And they told it to the city and to the country, and they went out to see what, what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him and who had, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Because see, before they didn't seem to mind about having a demon-possessed man tormented sitting amongst them, but they did mind having Jesus around. So they asked him to leave, and he did. When people are more afraid of what Jesus will do in their lives than what Satan does in the moment, they often put Jesus away. And then it says, when they got into the boat, who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. The guy goes, I don't want to hang out with these people anymore. I want to be with you, Jesus. Which is a great thing. I could understand that, can't you? However, Jesus did not permit him. But Jesus said to him, go home. You have a territory. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. And he departed and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. And he became a warrior. And he went back to take some territory. That was his. Some of us have forgotten we have territory. Some of us don't recognize we have territory. 
some of us have decided, even though Jesus says, no, I don't want you to go with me. I want you to stay here because I have territory for you. I have something for you. We want to go and be with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So it isn't that. This is what we want. We just want that. We just love Jesus. And we just love church. And I love Jesus and I love church. And I'm going to make sure all that matters is me and Jesus. No. No, you have territory. And some of us have stopped fighting because we started to fight and we got punched in the nose a few times. And we don't know how to fight. We haven't learned the fight. We haven't learned how to, how to battle in the spirit. We haven't learned how to use God's word. We haven't learned to do those things. And you have to make a decision in your life. Listen, you can learn these things. All the weapons of, of, of the warfare is found in the scriptures. But we teach this. You learn this. You can go through our deeper courses, three and four especially, and learn about battling in the spirit. Learn how to fight. You need to learn to do it. Much of it is just learning, to, just getting in the fight. Sometimes when you get in a fight, you get punched in the nose, and you, when you lose, you still learn something. And you, and you keep learning. Some of us need the training of spiritual warfare because you're better, right, when you have, when you have training. I mean, you can scratch and fight and bite and try to do everything, but, you know, you're going to be at a disadvantage to somebody who's been trained to fight. But if you're trained to fight, you can fight more efficiently. There's tools of fighting. There's keys to the kingdom. There's ways to pray. There's fasting. There's worship. There's all kinds of elements. We certainly wouldn't have enough time to do it, but we will do some more of this in the future. We have to learn how to fight because we have territory. Some of you right now are fighting for your kids. Some of you have parents that are getting older and they're getting to the place and they don't know Jesus yet and you know they probably don't have much time left. Who's going to fight for them? Have we given up? Some of us have just given up on the fight. We're not fighting. We have our neighborhood that needs someone to battle for it because if you don't, if you don't take it, the devil will. When's the last time you walked around your neighborhood and just prayed? Prayed for the people, prayed for the homes in your neighborhood, prayed for your neighbors. Not just when they're, you know, when they're playing their music too loud. And not just because you're mad at them because their dog pooped in your yard. I had to hit home somewhere. <laughs> right? This is our, this is, this is your, your school. Some of you young people, you're, you think that that classroom that you're in or the school that you're in is just there because, well, it's just kind of you're passing through. You don't think that has anything to do with God placing you in a place and you have right there, right? You have, you have land to take. You have a rulership that has been given to you. 
have to pray. Parents, you pray. I'm just going to get really into it right here. If you get, did you pray for the kids, your your kids' friends? Did you pray for the kid, the classmates of your children? I tell you, you can take a realm. You can take territory. When our kids were in school, Carol uh, would get into school and become an aide. And you know what she would do? She'd walk through the, while she's an aide, and she'd walk and she'd just kind of put her, her hand on the, the kid's head. God, just touch this child. Bless this child. Lord, set this child free. Pray for him. We'd pray for him. By name, our kids would tell us their friends and their names, and we pray for them. Why? Because we have territory to take. Some of those kids are pastors today. Some of those kids are serving Jesus in, in areas of ministry all over the place. I mean, amazing. You have power. I think that's the biggest disappointment in the body of Christ is we don't recognize our power. That's the biggest disappointment. God's given us so much power. And we haven't learned to use it. But you have territory. And if you'll just rise up, just rise up and start to look around and start to claim what God wants you to claim. Stand up in the name of Jesus and speak these things and pray fervently. You will see. God wants to expand your territory. Some of you have given up on your territory. Some of you have given up. The enemy has come against you and he's attacking your body and you just kind of went, well, that's just the way it is. You know, some, some of you, your, your businesses, you kind of let, well, that's not my territory. It's my business. Are you kidding? You're going to give that up? You're going to give up your, you know, financial security? You're going to give up? Don't give up. You got to stay So I ask the question again, what are you willing to fight for? I think God wants to know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word says, watch, stand fast in the faith and be brave and be strong. And I pray, Father, that this church, that we will rise up. And I know that, Lord, you've spoken to us. Lord, I feel that, Lord. You've spoken to us today through your word. Lord, you've traveled. And each of us who've come to know you, Lord, we're like that gathering, Lord. We're, we're like that man. We were tormented and we were, we were empty and we were lost and we were in darkness. We were living among dead stuff. 
And you brought life to us, God. And you want to use us. You want to use us, God. You want to do great things, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you'll raise our heads and cause us to look, Lord, beyond the, 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 the smallness of our thinking. And, Lord, take advantage of our willingness to go and stand strong and to fight. Then I pray, Lord, for those that are here. And I just want to speak to those of you while heads are bowed. Those of you here that you, you can't say you're a free man or woman. You find yourself in bondage. Some of you right now, the fact is that you feel the emptiness and the loneliness and the discouragement of the enemy. You feel sometimes like you're not free, that you're in you're bound. And Jesus wants to free you up. And uh, you can open your heart to him right now. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. I'm going to ask you, church, would you join me in prayer? And those of you that maybe specifically know that you need Christ. This prayer is for everybody, but you join in. Say this, dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for my sins and rose again. And Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I surrender my heart to you. Be Lord of my life. I surrender my heart to you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus, to help me. Lord, free me. Deliver me. Lord, strengthen me. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to take, Lord, the land that you've given me. I'm yours, Jesus. Amen. Amen. These last thoughts, we're going to worship. Worship is a, a way of, well, worship is part of spiritual battle. Some of you in your life, you look back and go, why did I have all, why, why did my life, was my life so hard? Some of you, when you were children, you, you faced some really tough things and, some, and, and you wonder why, why is, well, the kingdom of darkness knew your potential and battled hard against you. You see, the greater the battle, the greater the potential. The enemy wanted to keep you down wanted to keep you from finding your freedom because he's afraid. The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of fear and torment and worry 
I was talking to a man this last week, a couple weeks ago. He made a surrender to Jesus. He just said, I am surrendering everything. I've been holding on. He was bound, addictions, and he's been battling. And for a couple weeks, he came to me and says, I've never had anything like this. It's just a constant battle in my mind. And I said, that's because the devil's afraid. He's scared. Kingdom of darkness fights hard. It's, it's like a cat cornered because it, it fights hard because it's scared to death. You'll discover who you really are. Scared to death that you're going to be one, you're going to wake up from the tomb one of these days. You're going to, you're going to free yourself in Jesus and you're going to be unstoppable. So if you look back and you go, Man, life's been hard. I've faced all these things. Why? Lift your head up. God's got big plans. Big plans. Got great potential. You see? Great potential. Let's just uh, close in worship. Will you, will you stand with us and lift your voices strong? Let Jesus know. Let God know. Be freed. Be blessed. There's power in